Welcome to the KHOW Podcast. You've joined a community who focuses on doing the word, living the word, and following the word. We hope you enjoy these messages. We are still in the, in April. Yes, it is still April. So we're still in the fourth month of discipleship. And so for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, we have been spending, uh, we are spending this year walking through discipleship. And so from January to June, we are being made into disciples so that July through uh, wow, September, December, we can then make disciples. And so I will continue to say, you can never make what you have not been made into. And so we want to make sure that we are standing in biblical discipleship and not just assuming we're disciples because we gave our lives to Jesus which I think a lot of people have made that assumption. So we are, we went through, January was come, um, February was abandoned, March was follow, and now we are in April, the month of me, and me equals Jesus. So when I say me, we are not talking about ourselves, but Matthew 4.19 says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men or other translations will say, I will teach you how to fish for men. So that's Matthew 419 is our theme scripture for the year. Um, but we're using various scriptures to back up um, what we're saying about each aspect of discipleship. So we're still in the month of me, me meaning Jesus. So tonight we are moving on to, this would be the fourth aspect of me. Um, we talked last week, uh, or I'm sorry, on Saturday, not even last week, about making sure that we're not resting in ourselves, but that we're resting in God. And so today, uh, as you're taking your notes, the first thing you want to put down, as always, is make sure we are not, or make sure I am not, because maybe you need to make it specific to you, but to make sure we are not, and here is where we're going today, focus on things instead of the one thing focused on things instead of the one thing so we're making sure that we are not focused on things instead of the one thing okay and so i'm going to unmute our wonderful reader mr malcolm darrell we are so grateful for he is going to read for us this evening in the book of luke chapter 10. If you want to go ahead and turn your pages to Luke chapter 10, that's where we're going to be. And I will give you where we're going, Malcolm. Just want to give people time to get to Luke 10. And so, you ready, Malcolm? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to be I'm going to go to the NIV. Malcolm's going to read out of the NIV, correct? Right, NIV? Yeah. Okay. So he's going to take us to from verse 38 to the 41st. 38 to 41. 38 through 41 reads as follows. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Right there. I can could, I could feel you're about to go. <laughs> so we're stopping right there. So let me give some background and context to who these women are. So Mary and Martha, if, if you have ever heard of the story of Lazarus, these are the sisters to Lazarus. Lazarus is the gentleman who um, died and was buried in a tomb. And Jesus travels, um, uh, well, Jesus waits to travel, travels and gets there and actually calls Lazarus back to life out of the tomb. So these are his sisters and Jesus has come to their house. So what we can uh, see from this text is that they live together. And um, one of the things that is very interesting is that the name Martha means lady or mistress. And so Martha was the lady of the house. She was the eldest of the, of the girls and she was the lady of the house. And so in her mind, there are specific things that a lady makes sure are together and um, have been done before guests arrive to the house. But before we get there, I wanna give some definitions. So let's talk about what it means to be focused. Okay, so number one, a person that is focused is a person that pays attention. Um, it is a person that has clear, a clear visual definition. So when you are focused, not only are you focused, but your vision is focused. And when you are focused, that means you have clarity. And a lot of people straddle between um, seeing and finding clarity because most of us don't have a clear visual um, or we can't fully see what is ahead of us. We get cluttered with the things that we add to a picture. And so we wanna talk about being focused and what are we focusing on? Number three, to focus means that you concentrate that you are fixed on a thing that you have zeroed in. So I'm going to use this analogy. This is, this is separate from the scripture, but if we're talking about zeroing in on something, I have a lot of men on this um, beautiful Zoom call and I just, you know, show of, of, of head nods. When you have seen a specific woman that attracts, that, you know, causes you, you know, is attractive to you, most of the times you will zero in on that particular person at that particular moment. Doesn't mean someone else might, you might not find someone else attractive, but when you meet somebody who like is just really catches your fancy, you, you are zeroed in on that one person and you make that person your focus. And when that person is your focus, then you're you start to pursue them. You will not do to that woman, well, let me not say that. You will not um, be lax in your pursuit of a woman that you have zeroed in on, that you are concentrating on, that you are fixed on, right? Someone that's just, eh, 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 you might not give that much attention to. But when you zero in, same is true for, for ladies, when you find that guy that, Marks your eye, <laughs> you focus, you zoom in, right? So when we're talking about being focused and being clear with the Lord, what we're trying to get is, is to, to zero in on what the Lord is doing, what he's saying, you know, and what he's showing us. And a lot of times we are not paying attention and we're kind of living our Christian walk like, uh, like it's just happenstance. Like 
well, it'll just happen or maybe God will just do this. Or, I hope he'll just do that. But you got to be focused on your point of intention and affection. So a thing, a thing is a personal belonging. It's an interest or a concern. And so what we're talking about, right, is that we want to make sure that we're not focused on things, plural, but instead of the one thing. And we're going to talk about what the one thing is on Saturday. But a thing is a personal belonging, an interest or concern. Okay. And so here we are. And tonight I want to talk about the Martha syndrome. Okay. And the reason I call it a syndrome is because a syndrome, syndrome is a characteristic combination of opinions, emotions, and behaviors. Okay. And a lot of us have been a Martha or could be a Martha. You could have the syndrome. <laughs> okay. We want to get you out of that place. So Luke 10, 38 through 41 starts to talk about Jesus coming to the house of Mary and Martha. And Jesus makes his way inside. And it starts by telling us that Martha is distracted. And I'm always baffled by this story because I'm thinking, if Jesus has come to my house, the thing I'm probably not going to be distracted by is all this other stuff because I'm going to be so in awe that he has come to my house, right? But it also lets me know that at this point, Martha does not actually realize who's in her house. So you can be distracted, you get easily distracted when you don't know how important a thing is. Okay, and so it says she was distracted. She was drawn away and she was greatly troubled. So here she is, she's distracted, and it says that she's distracted by all the preparations that she has going on. And what's interesting is this word preparations is the same word that is used for deacons, um, which is uh, 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 diakonia. And so it means to serve. So she's in a service. It does not mean servant. So I don't want us to get confused. But it means to serve, to provide a service. So the picture that this shows is someone who waits tables. So when you go to a restaurant, you have a waiter, right, who waits on your table. So that is the picture. Someone who is, you know, coming to the table to make sure you have what you need. They set the table, they prepare the table, and they come in and out, right? They're coming in and out, take, picking up things, bringing things, setting things down, making sure you have what you need. When you're done with your meal, they take the plates away. They're asking you, is there anything else that you want? And then at the end, they bring you a check. You, you know, you fill it out, pay the bill, and you go. And so there's not intimacy or really any connection in this exchange. Okay, so Martha is distracted by her ability or what she would esteem as a great ability, which is her service. And a lot of us really esteem the way we serve people. We will talk about how how much you know i serve here i serve there i provide this service but what you really don't have is a servant's heart you can provide a service and not have a servant's heart and so a servant is a person who meets the need of another person without them ever conveying what they need and so martha missed what jesus needed which then made her miss what jesus wanted and so moving forward, it says she was distracted with all her preparations. And then she has the beautiful audacity to ask Jesus, do you not care? 
Like she's like, so you don't care that I got all this to do, and you just left left Mary, Mary just left me, and so the question comes from a place of anxiety. When you study out the scripture, she was in a state of anxiety, and she, what she was saying is, you don't have any interest in me, and so a lot of us rest in our works and our abilities to get people to pay attention to us. When your works and your abilities are the thing that you rest on, that means that you don't believe in who you are and what you have just within yourself. And so she was using her works and her abilities and then says to him, hey, so basically you're not taking any interest in me. I'm doing all these things. And the fact that he would not pay attention to her caused her now to have anxiety. And so she then says, tell her, meaning Mary, to help me. So she wants Mary to share in this, this, this role she's playing and, and trying to act like she's producing all these things to make a great time. And so it, Jesus tells her, he said, you're worried and upset over the wrong thing. So that worry goes back. So basically when, when Jesus says you're worried, what he does is he confirms that he sees the anxiety in her. Because the word worry in this text also means anxiety. So he acknowledges what she's already said. I get that you, you're anxious. I see that, but you're anxious and upset over the wrong thing. And basically, I love this in the, in the Bible, the word upset means that she was struck with panic. It also means that she was agitated in her mind. And so a lot of us panic and are agitated in our minds when the things that we think are gonna, like when the, what we want to happen doesn't happen, when we put all this work into something and it doesn't turn out the way we think it should turn out, when we're trying to impress people that are not impressed, you know, when we're trying to become something that we're, we've never been asked to become, we get agitated when the response that we wanted is not given. We, we start to panic and then we have anxiety and nervousness. And most of the time, 10, nine times out of 10, if you're in that state, you're messing everything up. So here are the points I wanna to make tonight. Number one, write down the word presentation. So that was just to give us kind of the backstory. Now let's get to the meat of this thing. James, can you we're talking, phone? It keeps distracting me, James. It's not James. LG. It's not him. He doesn't even have his, um, his, um, uh, whatchamacallit on. Uh, what's the thing? His, um, I can't, the speaker. I looked already. He doesn't have his speaker on. Can you hear now? Is it? Okay. So, okay. So with that, um, I'm sorry. So I want us to now what we walked through the actual scripture and the conversation and what happened. And now let's zone in on what we're saying, which is not to be focused on things. That's the first part we're talking about tonight. So next to presentation, write this down. A presentation is a style or manner in which something is displayed. A style or manner in which something is displayed. Now here's the point I want to make. The presentation is never greater than, than presence. 
the presentation is never greater than presence. So Martha was worried about the presentation and yet she missed Jesus's presence. But not only did she meet Je miss Jesus's presence, she was not present in the moment. And a lot of us are really big on presentation. Like the, the way it's displayed, whether it's ourselves, whether it's the thing we're trying to produce, but we get so focused on the presentation that we miss Jesus's presence and the need for Jesus's presence to be where we are. Here's the thing, if Jesus is not where you are, then what you're doing won't work. <laughs> so we need his presence to be where we are. So what we're doing is blessed because he's where we are. And so the presentation is never greater than the presence, whether it's Jesus's presence or your ability to be present. Most of us miss things because we are not present in the moment. We miss something important that was said because we're not, we're thinking about all these other things or we don't fully show up in ourselves. And so we miss something and we don't have time in this hour, in this era to be missing what God is doing. Just like we talked about, we can't miss what God is saying. And so there are moments that God has been present in your life or in a situation or in a moment that you missed because you were so focused on all the things happening. So number two, appearance. So the appearance of something is the way someone or something looks. So write this down. God is not interested in a performance, but a person. God is not interested in a, a performance, but a person. So you're concerned about how it looks to everybody, that then that bleeds into your relationship with Jesus. We dress up and mask up so much stuff because we're trying to hide. And so we get into this place of performing. And we're performing so much that we don't even know who we are. Forget anyone else ever knowing us. We don't even know who we are. And so while she's performing, Jesus is interested in a person. He would have rather had her than the performance or the appearance of everything that she thought was going to draw his attention. You need to know that who, who you are attracts God to you, not what you do. Who you are is what attracts God to you. Guess why? Because he created you. <laughs> Number three, busyness. Oh, this is gonna hurt some of you, but you'll be okay. So here's what I want you to know. Being busy doesn't mean you're handling your father's business. Being busy doesn't mean you're handling your father's business. Some of us like use I'm busy as clout or I'm busy to try to impress people. But if it is not about, if your busy isn't attached to the father's business, it doesn't mean anything. And so let me, let me clarify this so no one gets confused. I'm not saying that everybody on here, like I'm not saying that God's business is preaching or teaching. Each of you are called specifically in this world to be in different spaces, to bring glory and honor to God. 
okay? And God has made it clear in his word what he deems valuable, what he desires from us, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to walk. And so the thing is, is that his business has to be priority. So wherever you are, in whatever place you are, if at the end of the day, your life doesn't bring God's God glory, then you are not about your father's business. So it doesn't matter how busy you are if you're not about your father's business. So wherever Jesus was, Jesus wasn't lazy. <laughs> In fact, wherever Jesus was, gobs of people surrounded him and everybody needed something. And he was e able to give to each person their portion, right? He did the work, but the work was to give glory to his father. So he never snatched the glory from God because he understood whatever I did and whatever I do is to please the Father. And so with whatever I do, even if I feel like it is, is, the, is nothing, right? Because some, some, some of y'all don't think what you do really matters. Well, it doesn't if you don't do it unto the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you are bringing your light and your life into the places that you go to. You're right. It wouldn't matter what I do if, if what I'm doing doesn't bring honor to God. There are pastors and teachers all over this world that aren't bringing honor to God, they're bringing honor to themselves. But are we about our father's business? Okay, lastly, write this down. What you are concerned about is what you focus on the most. Do you know right now, most of us are focused on not getting sick? Because that's what we care about the most. Or we're focused on, okay, am I still going to have a job tomorrow? Or we're focused on, okay, I just got furloughed. How are we going to make ends meet? Which takes us back to, we're focused on all the things. But there's only one who's in charge of all things. And so we can get boggled down and fall into this place of anxiety and stress and worry. And then we can start seeking help or trying to help ourselves because we've come, become so distracted by all the noise and all the things. And we're leaning into conversations that lead us more into fear than into faith. And so what you're concerned about, it's what you're gonna focus on the most. You're gonna be fixed on whatever you're concerned about. The way to change that is, it is not that you won't have concern, but once you have concern, you have to invite Christ into the situation. And see, Mary didn't invite Christ, who was right there, into her concern. What she did was took her concern and to Jesus and thought that if I, if I show him how, how frazzled I am, how, just, how uncomfortable I am, he'll help me. But Jesus will always help you but it may not be the way you want. So Jesus is about to help her. It just definitely isn't the way that she wants him to help her. And a lot of us are like, help, help. And Jesus is like, I, I, I sent the help. You just didn't like the help I sent? I'm helping you right now. Do you know that even if Jesus is doing nothing, he's helping you? 
And a lot of us only think Jesus' help is, act, is in action or in the way that we want him to do something. And most of the time, you know, when I look at what happened to everyone that Jesus decided, you know what, I'm going to give you what you want. Turned out pretty bad. Turns out pretty bad. We go through the Bible. Turns out pretty bad. Everybody wanted a king. They didn't need a king. They had a God. And the people, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. They got Saul. And for a minute, Saul was a good king. And then Saul was not a good king. And Jesus and God rejected Saul. You know, and over and over again, man cries to be a God or to make a God in replace of God because we just cannot submit to the one who is overall. We're still trying to find this tangible person to lead and guide us. And so we miss, right? Because we're focused on all the wrong things. So then, you know what I mean? We'll use everything else to center us instead of the creator himself. So I'll get some self-help books to center me. You got a Bible. I'll get some crystals to stare at. <laughs> okay. And not, you know what I'm saying? There's all these things that are trying to take the place of the one thing, which is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in this moment of time, do not get yourself fixed in focusing on the wrong stuff. You will go under right now if you are focused on the wrong things. Right? Again, does not mean you don't ever get concerned, but your concern should not turn into worry. Because I've said it before, a worried person is a wandering person. And a minute, worry will always cause you to get lost. Children of Israel in the wilderness. Worry will always cause you to get lost. Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make your requests known. You feel anxiety, make your requests known to God through prayer and supplication. So for everything that could take us out, there is an answer in the word. What we don't want to do is fall into these patterns where our opinions and our emotions start to cause us to create behaviors and habits that don't serve us because they're in contradiction to what the word says. So we gotta get focused. You gotta zero in on God like you never zeroed in on God before right now. Like I do, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I do. You know, the days are running into each other. People, you know, here's the thing we talked about. People are still watching you. There are people who still need you right? So if you are not focused on the right thing, how can you get anybody else to focus on the right thing? You have parents on here with kids who I'm sure, you know, if you got millennial kids, they, they, they don't understand why they can't go outside. <laughs> Some people are just not doing well right now. But if you're a parent, if you're focused on the wrong thing, how do you funnel faith into your kids? On your job, if you're the person that people know as the one with faith, how do you funnel faith into your coworkers? How do you funnel faith into your brothers and sisters in Christ if you are fixed on everything else that is stirring up anxiety and worry? We do not need any more performances in Christianity. We have enough performers. 
We do not need anybody else appearing to be something that they are not. We have enough of that already. And everybody being busy, you know, it, it, you being, I'm busy, okay, but what am I busy doing? If I'm not about my father's business, being busy doesn't mean anything, right? You can be busy on your job. Do you know you can be busy and still have peace? See, that's the difference. Most people who use the I'm busy don't have any peace and live in anxiety and worry. But they think that being busy is being productive. <laughs> Do you know you can be productive and not like overwork yourself? You can be productive and not put yourself in a place of burnout or confusion. And so if you have things that you're concerned about right now, you need to focus them back to the father. Like take them, put them, put them in front of the father and say, these are yours and give me the right perspective and the right focus so that I don't fall prey to the things that really want to trip me up right about now. Because the reality is there's a whole bunch of things that want to trip you up right now. Day in, day out, you're doing the same thing. All of us have old habits and old vices. And if you are not careful, you will be right there right now because it's just easy to do some things right now because nobody sees you. But integrity is you're the same person in public that you are in private. And so we have to stay off of um, thinking that we can handle all things and we can do all things, right? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But if Christ is not strengthening you, you cannot do it all. So the question is, if there are things that are taking your focus, you need to look between now and Saturday at what are you allowing to distract you? What are you allowing to worry you? And what are the things that are causing your mind to be agitated? These are all the things that were happening to Mary. What's causing your mind to be agitated? Where's the anxiety coming from? What's distracting you? And get in, get, get those things down, look at it for real and say, God, I need you to, I need to exchange these for your peace. And I can do that by focusing on you. I have to focus. I can't keep paying attention to the stuff that keeps tripping me up. And the truth of the matter is, whatever I'm anxious about, worried about, or more concerned about, it sh I should not be more concerned about anything that I am about you and what you think and what you want and what you desire. Yeah, when we, are, when we think that we're supposed to be doing something God said, but it is not in obedience to God, then you cannot work a thing right? That you were never called to work. So right. if you're trying in your, so this goes back to your own strength. If you are trying in your own strength to bring something about, you do not have the strength of God. Mm -hmm. So then it's not even, you can't do all things. You can't do this thing or anything else outside of the will of God. Mm -hmm. So good. Thank you so much. No, you're so welcome. But I think, you know, I think a lot of times and that's why I shared that story is you can be doing something that categorically everyone around you would say, that's God because it's ministry or Jesus's name is on it or blah, blah, blah. And you can be completely out of the will of God in Jesus name. <laughs> now I'm confused. 
Why are you confused? Well, because Crystal asked, so based on your answer and based on what I just got, which I felt I got on the But she asked me something totally different, so don't okay. lose your, uh-uh. Okay, no, good. You're right. She, no, she asked me, no, she asked me something completely different. So well, what, what you and I were talking about was the procrastination, right? But earlier, I was talking about how we can't do everything. We can't do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? But the all thing has to be the will of God. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us as Christians take all things as anything. I can do anything. I can do anything, you know. No, you can't do anything. You can do anything in the will of God. (laughs) You can't do anything. And and actually, Kim's question really is what connected the two because right. I feel that people, like, maybe God has shown them something and then we try to do it in our own strength and it's not it's not yet the time. And so it it presents like a delay or, or like you're procrastinating. But if he hasn't empowered or strengthened me to do it. Hmm. So that I wouldn't, I would disagree. And let me tell you why. So it, because let me make sure I'm hearing what you're saying. You're mm-hmm. saying that God has called you to do something. Like, like, okay, let's say that God has foreshadowed or he's shown you like, okay, people who say God has called me to start a church, right? Okay. And they start a church and it's, let's say it's a home church, but they eventually see a big building. And so they start striving towards a building. Uh-huh. And, and and like God, they're 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 having delays in that. And I would say, well, is God calling you to a building now? Like just because He showed you a building, that doesn't mean that that's what He's called you to. And so they might define that as they're procrastinating because yeah, they. Now I would tell you this: most people, and I would say this only because I know many pastors who have been in this situation, they would not categorically call that they would never say I'm procrastinating. What they would say is, <laughs> what they would say is they would, what they would do, and Pastor Alex, you can back me up and you can tell me if I'm wrong. What they're really going to do, number one, is that they are going to, what's the word, deflect why it ain't happening to mm-hmm. something completely different, right? Instead of being honest enough to say, we see the building and we move prematurely. So what I would say, yeah. that's premature movement, not procrastination. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? A lot mm-hmm. of people move prematurely. And so in your, if you're premature, everything is delayed because you didn't step to the place you weren't supposed to arrive in yet. Yes. And I think people then beat themselves up and they say, I'm procrastinating. I'm procrastinating, but it, it's, it's premature. So you're just disobedient. Actually, it's not even the word procrastination is not the accurate word to even use in those circumstances. Well, I would say this. I don't know too many people who are premature that say they're procrastinating because most people who are premature think that they are on time. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? A a person who procrastinates stops moving. They become inactive. So what we're not saying is these people aren't active we're saying they're active before it's time. Mm-hmm, you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So yeah. I do think that if someone were to say procrastination, that is, they, I think that would, again, be their way of deflecting what is true, which is they are not, they didn't, they are not in line with the will of God. 
most people will not admit that they are premature. Um, but what I will say is most people who are premature, I, ha I have not, and I'm not saying it isn't, but most people who are premature don't really say I'm procrastinating because they think they're ahead of time. So they think that they're moving either in the time of God. And then what they will say is, oh, well, that hasn't happened yet because of, we needed this or we needed that. They don't really look at it as God's holding them back or they're holding themselves back. They will say everything else is the reason why it isn't coming yet. Mm. when a person is premature. So the last thing the last yeah. thing I want to ask to that for yeah. no. apologies. No. But this is a big deal. So if it's grounded in fear, Pastor Guy, uh -huh. when you're when perfect love casts out all fear, right. if I've been healed, delivered, you know, in different areas of things I've struggled with, mm -hmm. how is it fear can live in that one area when there's no fear anywhere else? Because you have a soul. Okay. So here's the thing. I think that unfortunately we have been taught in error mm. that healing is, is in everything. You can be healed in 10 areas and still be not healed or whole in one. And that one can now leak into all the others. Right. So you, so you say, so for instance, if um, I'm just making stuff up. Okay. So we're making it up. I can say, okay, I had an addiction to cigarette smoking. I never have, right? But I have been healed from cigarette smoking, okay? I can say, um, uh, I've been healed from anger, okay? So I, I, the addiction now is gone. My anger is gone. Now, here's the thing. My healing does not mean that I am not tempted. Mm -hmm. Okay? But I'm healed. So when the temptations come, I'm able to speak directly to those in faith right and with the perfect love of god because i have been healed now here's i'm going to give you three different things a person can be healed and not set free so being healed of something is not the same as being freed of something and most of us think healing is freedom we we think that the two are, are one right so if we go to the man by the, by, the bed, by the pool, right of Bethesda, Jesus's question to him was, do you want to be healed? He did not ask him, do you want to be free? Now, once he's healed, he gives him an action for freedom, which is to take up your bed and walk. So wow. what you have to understand is you can be healed in a position, but still be there healed, but you have not walked into freedom. Woo. Come on now. This is so good. So what I'm saying is you can be healed, but you may not yet have been fully freed in your healing. So if you're not free in your healing, then you have not walked out, right? So once you're healed, you now have to walk out of where the place where you got healed into a new place, which is called freedom. And so emotional things are harder you can be healed emotionally but you may not be freed emotionally healed emotionally. right so um you may be uh like for me i was healed of stress right but there was a long time before i was free of stress because right like i had to come into the realization that my that i lived a life of, of stress since i was a child and so there was a physical manifestation, which was my shoulders up all the time. 
And I didn't even realize it till I went to a doctor who told me I was about five seconds from a nervous breakdown. And I was fully in ministry, fully in ministry. But I had lived with, I didn't even know, like I didn't even know my shoulders were up. And so I had to learn, right? So I got healing in my body, but I was not yet free. What I thought was, if I work on the natural things, right, that decrease stress, that I will, I'm going to be, I thought healing was freedom. Well, where I was healed, I was not free because I thought if I learned to live in the same situations, what I, what most of us do is we learn to cope. We don't get free. I was not freed until I walked out of the very situation that kept me bound and stressed. And I had to move to do it. I had to literally move. I texted you this morning with my news about yes. my freedom of the orphan spirit. Like something, right. my mind shifted. I was talking to Minister Janera about it. She right. was who suggested I listen to the abandoned teachings again. And then I'm so liberated. I nearly started crying today because I was so happy. Yeah. just the happiness in my soul and then i sat down to do some important kingdom work that without a doubt it's it's god thing there's no doubt in it and i just freeze i had to text uh, my sister whitney and let her know uh, hold me accountable i'm trying to do something and I, I just can't i can't do it and and i think you're saying when you say the the fear it must be a symptom in that fear of being wrong or rejecting but then when we procrastinate, we hurry up and get it done. So, so why just not get it done when you're liberated? And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's got to but go. But then that goes to me, if you're saying that that is happening, then what I would now do is go to where Crystal came and say, it is a God thing, but is it premature? Was oh, it not good. the day you weren't yeah. supposed to work on it? You could be prematurely trying to work on a God thing. Right? Yeah, because so, I, I feel like, in those moments like when it's a god thing there's peace like even if Absolutely. there's a struggle or there's resistance there's peace and there is provision like he empowers me to do it and so when there's no peace then i have to ask like is this the time like it am i am i jumping ahead and doing it right now because you showed me that this was something that you called me to right yeah, go, go ahead. Mine's is just riddled so much deeper because mine's is as simple as emailing my tenants in England and asking again, them. Again, it could be premature. Oh, so God's, but then it goes back to a bit of a, a God delay that it's not a procrastination then, is it? You see what I'm saying? Okay, so no, no, no. So we're, I think the question, so again, I didn't know you were specifying what you asked to a certain situation. I thought you were asking in general. Oh, so no, in I'm general, not. procrastination the root is a fear of failing or fear of not, right? Okay, now what I hear you saying is there is something you are very clear that God is asking you to do, but when you go to do it, you do not feel a release. Is that um, what you're I, saying? Yeah, I, I procrastinate. Okay, but I'm asking you a different question. Do you feel a release to do it or are you scared to do it? Two different things. Scared, scared. Then that's procrastination. Okay. So Let that's not delay. You're scared is procrastination. If it's, right. what was it? Fear of failing or fear of whatever the fear is. It's rooted in fear of, usually it's fear of failing, right? And fa when we say failing, succeeding, rejection, blah, 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 right? 
that's a that's the root is fear but a fear of what scared you're when you have fear you're scared so that's why i said to you is it you're scared <laughs> right or or do you feel no, like that's right. so perfect because yeah, yeah i'm scared to email just in case they say no i can't pay it since you asked and then right. i have mortgage to pay in england that i don't have the funds to pay right so, so maybe- that right so then then what i would say is i still would go back to the lord and say why am i scared yeah okay like why especially if i have just been freed yes because with an orphan spirit the biggest thing one of the biggest things attached to orphan spirit is security yeah rejection no 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 i'm not i'm talking about security like like uh when you don't have parents when you don't have a covering everything relies on you and most of us need to feel secure financially emotionally spirit right so there is so the the orphan spirit carries a lot of different things so the need for security so are you scared because if they don't come through there is a sense of loss of security in an area mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i'm just giving you things to think of um orphan spirit also comes with a, a poverty mentality and poverty doesn't mean that you're poor or broke but no, you know, know that exactly. that peter to pay paul robbed the, right so there's so many things attached to that so that's why i'm saying to you you can be healed and yet still not free and because the orphan spirit has so many components to it, your breakthrough in one aspect begins the breakthrough in all the aspects of it, right? So I, but again, I think that that also, that just comes from so much teaching we've all had, like you're healed and we just like, ah, you know, and it's like, okay, but I ain't free. Every time Jesus healed someone, he told them to do something that brought them into freedom. There was always a second action to their healing. Woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Like, right, the lepers, okay, right, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a gratitude, there's a witness to it. There's a, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody had to do something that what was let everyone else know, I am no longer in the state I was in. Hmm. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, you know, in my soul, I'm a different person. You know, so the woman at the well goes back and says, come see about this man who told me everything, like everything, you know what I'm saying? She goes and she becomes a witness and everybody comes, but like, and then they're saved, not because of anything Jesus said, but she walked out her freedom. She was fearful of that conversation, but that conversation healed her. And then when she walked out from that conversation, she walked in freedom because she could go tell everybody what just happened, which then caused her to have to tell her own stuff. So excited. So most of us get healed, but not freed, which is why we can't really talk about this. We'll say, yeah, and we'll make it real fluffy of how he healed us. But yeah, well, where's your freedom? I, I believe you're healing, but I, I yet see your freedom. Pastor Alice, anything else you want to add? I mean, I think all of it is amazing, but the great thing, I mean, I mean, there's so much in there, but one of the things that stand out to me is that healing is literally like the starting point yeah. of your discipline to freedom. 
Right, right. You know what I mean? Because it's the start yeah. to the final end. And the final end is in him. It's, it's nowhere else. It's only in him. And so when you're healed, now pick up your bed, excuses, because now you have to define where you got sick. Yeah. How long you were sick. And what are you going to do to no longer be sick? go back to that space? And the only way to never go back is you have to go into something else. And yeah. that's why he says in him is how we live, move, and have our being. Yeah. So the freedom happens when you're fully immersed in him. So when reservation, hesitation, all those things happen, those are self-absorbed things. So anything that's self-absorbed means he has to be excluded. Right. So that's when fear kicks in. That's when all these other things start to kick in because you really, freedom is something that's never denied. Like, you know when you're free. <laughs> you don't question whether, and here's the thing about freedom. With freedom, it, it causes you to look more outside yourself. In other words, someone, someone has to assist you in opening up that gate and getting you out. Why? I say it all the time. The hardest person to free is the person that locked up themselves. Why? Because you, you can hide the key on anybody. But when you really want freedom and understand that when you're free, when, when you're out of that gate, it's no question about it. There's not something you're sitting there rehearsing whether you are. And it's the same way in decision-making. And God's been showing me this. This is why we have to revisit prayer. Yeah, because even our prayer life is so off because there's only one real prayer. That's right. And I think what happens is we pray to God with all of us in it, which immediately excludes him out of it. Mm -hmm. Think about that. You're asking for him to do stuff for you. When in actuality, all we're supposed to do in prayer is to do and speak his will. And in turn, because he knows what we have need of, yeah. that, that represents such a place of freedom that you can live this life to the fullest. Why? Because the obligation of living no longer relies in you. Hmm. It relies in him. That's real freedom. It's almost like you know, flying around in the private jets and having this amazing life, but never having to pay for it. That's real freedom in God. That's real freedom. And, and this is when you can, especially now, you can see people fighting so hard. And I'm telling you, it's a fight you'll never win. Yeah. So this is why we immerse ourselves in him so that we can understand what real freedom is. The great thing about God's love is that he gives us these things and we misuse, mistreat, and mishandle the very thing he's trying to give us. So he says, I'm gonna give you vision, but my vision is at an appointed time, problem. Problem, because we get vision, we wanna move, we wanna act, he says it's at an appointed time. And so he doesn't tell us we go from, you know, faith to hope and to no he says we go from faith to faith from glory to glory so the thing never changes is that we think we can define it once he gives it to us yeah. and he says you can't define it that's why i say you go from that same place 
to the next same place. Our human mind can't comprehend that. So we get all jacked up because we get so emotionally involved. So everything you guys are talking about is just so much meat in it. You know, um, I mean, the questions are just so good because it causes all of us to really have to dig deep because we all find ourselves in that space and place. So, you know, please understand, you know, we, we're all, we're all moving in this time of discipleship and, you know, being made in order to make it's, it's, it's just amazing. Pastors, I just want to say, I want to thank you both for always being transparent, vulnerable, just being led. You know, sometimes, and many of us have been in ministries where we were led by people who never showed us sides of them that made me feel like, oh, they get what I'm going through. They've been there. They've been through that struggle. Right. And Pastor, for you to mention that in 2003 that you were struggling with something, even as you know, someone who was well into ministry, it's just, it's awesome. Because the thing that came to my mind was when you said, oh, this is so awesome. It really should be on a shirt. The Bible is not for you. It's about you. That's, that's absolutely, that's powerful. And it is so, so I sat here this whole lesson. I'm like, yeah, I'm a Martha. <laughs> and, I, and I gotta be okay with admitting that there are sides of me that get concerned about the presentation and not the presence. But the Christian culture has taught us to be Martha's, mm-hmm. especially yeah. black, especially black church. That's true. Black church validates the Martha's. Black church esteems the Martha's. Black church raises Martha's and is mad if you're married mm. because you are lazy and you you're not working your works to get yourself into glory. That's so good. That, that word lazy is so good only because if you really think about it, even again, I'll, I'll go to prayer. When you really think about prayer, prayer is just like we will look at the law of the land. We hire lawyers, not because they're, you know, they're, uh, they're uh, people that are far beyond us. No, it's that they're people who know the law. <laughs> That's it. They yeah. read because the law doesn't change. So you get somebody who's smart about the law. So what is God saying about prayer? If you're smart about the law, you can pray anything into existence. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what happens is we start to hire. We do the same thing with pastors and preachers. We put it on them to know it and then tell us about it. And we just assume that's law. <laughs> but do you not know a convict can represent himself only because he read and knows the law? He don't mm. need no lawyer. He does not. But let me tell you what you're going to stand in front of. You're going to stand in front of the judge. Yeah, but here's the beauty about the judge. Even the judge know he can't go outside that book. If it says it, then he has to abide by it too. This is why right. God is so amazing because he's the judge. And if you go to God with his very word and say, God, but this says an article here, verse here, this here, this is what it says. He has to abide by that. But we don't know it because we don't read about it. So we hire people to come on our behalf. And here's the thing. They can say whatever and whatever. They'll, most of the time they'll say, you know what? Let's just settle out of court. Think about that. Yeah. 
That was an incredible analogy. Amen. Well, I know Julius and Whitney and Crystal are still on here. Do you guys have any oh, questions before we let y'all go? Thank you for staying on. I had no idea they were on. You know, that was, that was great. Amen. No, I've just been uh, soaking it in and trying to uh, learn. Yeah. Me too, Julius. <laughs> Me too. Well, we love y'all. Crystal, great questions. Thank you. I appreciate um, your asking and being willing to ask. Um, anything else we, you want to ask or we should clarify? No, thank you. That, that, was, that was good. Um, you are so welcome. Love you guys. Love you too. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the K-How Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email us at khowworshipla. That's K-H-O-W-O-R-S-H-I-P-L-A at gmail.com.